1: I don't care what they might say. We love Jesus anyway. When it comes to evangelists, there was no one greater than Noah. Ah, oh, you say, but nobody was converted. Well, that wasn't the point. The point was he was faithful to evangelize, and he had a world as his stage. We invite you to join us as we take our Friday look at our series Arise, Move, and Go out of Genesis chapter 6. Next. was probably the greatest evangelist that ever lived, yet nobody was converted. Well, you see, that wasn't the issue at hand. He was called to preach judgment, covering for sinners, salvation of grace, preaching Christ as the judge, the door, and the atonement. It's all there in Genesis chapter 6. It was up to the people to decide, and they decided through their black, darkened, and dead hearts that they didn't want to hear this evangelist. It didn't stop him, and that's what is amazing. We're looking at the gospel of condemnation and comfort in the life of Noah. Here's Pastor Jesse Gustan from Grace Bible Church in Hayward with today's
2: Way of Grace. Now, you're going to have to thank God for what God did in calling Noah into this massive enterprise. Because it's going to take the grace of God for Noah to continue doing what he does for a hundred years. And no one is going to join him. You won't see anywhere in the seventh chapter after it's laid out where the throngs of people are saying, Noah, can I help you? Can I join you? We see what you're doing, Noah. We see God's hand on your life. We actually believe the report. Can we help you? You won't see it. You won't see it in his family. I'm talking as an extended family. Brothers and sisters and cousins and aunts. Did y'all get that? You won't see it. For a 100 years, from his 600th year to his 700th year, Noah is going to be arising, moving and going, not geographically, but counterintuitively in a business model that's going to be so contrary to the thinking of the world that by his very obedience to Christ, he's going to be offending people every day of his life. Did that make sense? Point number three. Point number three. Actually, under point number number two, the counterintuitive enterprise. Let me just state that, affirm that so I can move on. Verse 14, God speaks to Noah this way: Make thee an ark of gopher wood, rooms shall you make in the ark, and you shall pitch it within and without. I'll talk about that in a moment. Look over at verse 18. Are we there? But with you, Noah, will I establish my covenant. And you shall come into the ark, you and your sons and your wife, and your son's wife with you. Do you see that? Now, Noah has God has already told Noah, I'm gonna destroy all flesh. Everybody dying. Look at verse 17. And behold, I even I do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy some flesh. Wherein is the breath of life from under heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die. And everything that is in the earth shall die. What an assignment. Point number three. What an assignment. Here you are being called by God to walk in fellowship with him, and God says, by the way, I have an assignment for you, and it's not going to be obscure. This is not going to be one of those assignments where most people will miss you. You're actually going to be in the center of public discourse every day. And everybody's going to be talking about you. Do you see why you need maturity with that? Y'all got a few more minutes? Do you see why you need maturity? Right, because you and I know, we know, I live in a culture of emotionally unstable people. I live in a culture right now that people are psychologically and emotionally immature. I do. And and what that means is it's hard for us to imagine people looking at us critically. Am I telling the truth? Right. The point being is that we have been so... We have been so stripped of anti-fragility characteristics. We're fragile. We're fragile people. And this is why we have succumbed to hiding in our houses and in our rooms. Stay with me. Stay with me. And, and, and this reinforces the, the, the fragility. Because, see, when you're not out there in the wild, you don't get to build your spiritual immune system. Right? Right? Because if your spiritual immune system is built up, you can take the viral contamination of rhetoric and propaganda and accusations and scorn and ridicule. You'll get hit with it, but you will bounce back because you're strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And you don't have to run and you don't have to hide because you're on a mission for God. And then you've learned that God is your shield and protector. And because it's not about you, this is the one that hurts. Because it's not about you, you can then be about your father's business because that's what Noah is doing. So I'm going to show you seven things in closing, seven things. We're not going to penetrate into the ark. I'm just going to give you a framework of the redemptive paradigm of the ark under point number three. Y'all keeping up. A redemptive paradigm of the ark, because the ark is our meta-narrative solution to everything. And, and I want to know about this. I want to understand what it means to cooperate with God. So when I say point number three, the ark serves for us as the gospel of condemnation and comfort. The ark serves for us as the good news of condemnation and comfort. I'm not going to unpack it now. I'm just going to give you the fundamental sub points. There is no good news where there is not first really, really, really bad news. The gospel is not smile. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. That is not the gospel. The gospel is all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The gospel is the wages of sin is death. The gospel is the soul that sinneth, it shall die. The gospel is, is that God is righteous and he will bring every man into judgment. But, see, but God, who is rich in mercy, wherewith he loved us, even while we were dead in trespasses and sins in his mercy. He gave us a savior in the person of Jesus who becomes for us typified in the ark. There's the ark of condemnation and what? comfort. When John the Baptist came preaching, he came preaching not smile God loves you repent you are under the wrath of God. That's what he said. You don't hear that today. Stop. You don't hear it. You don't hear it anywhere. Last time you heard a preacher really setting about to call somebody to repentance. You don't hear it on the radio. You don't hear it anywhere. Lord open the ears of my people. You don't hear it. You don't hear a call to repentance in hardly any preaching. I don't listen. We got some good brothers unpacking the scriptures in very good ways in terms of exegesis and and application and morals and ethics. You don't hear the prophet. You don't hear the prophet speaking for God doing a diagnosis on the souls of men. You don't hear it. You don't hear it. You don't hear Amos saying it. You don't hear Hosea. You don't hear Isaiah. You don't hear John the Baptist. You don't hear Jesus. The first thing Jesus did out of the chute was do what John did. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Those are condemnation words. You understand that? Who in the world are you to tell me to repent? See what I'm getting at? That's the culture I live in. Who in the world are you to tell me that I'm wrong with God? I'm not telling you, God's telling you. God just told me, I'm speaking in the voice of Noah. God just told me you got 100 years and everything's getting wiped out. That's a word of condemnation, folks. That's exactly what Paul said in Acts seventeen thirty one. God has appointed a day wherein he will judge this world in righteousness by the very man that he raised from the dead, even Jesus the Christ. And he's certified that to all of us in the doctrine of faith. You don't hear it. Do you understand every time that Noah and his family went out and bought boards and bought nails and bought hammers and bought scaffolding, they were condemning the world. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. Hebrews 11, verse 7. Do you see it? Watch this. By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not yet seen. I told you he's a futurist. Didn't I tell you that? Didn't I tell you? What what do you do with a futurist? Either you believe him or you don't. And if he's a futurist for real, that means he sees things the way God sees it. And he really should not. I know he does because I do, but he should not care about how you feel if what he sees is the truth. But I know Noah struggled because I do. I know he struggles. You got to say what you see because you see what you see and you can't lie about it if you're a servant of God but you struggle with people not believing you. So here it is. By faith nor warned of God of things not yet seen, he did what? Moved with fear. I love it. Don't tell me fear is not a necessary commodity in the walk of the believer. Faith will produce a fear of God in you that will grant you grace to rise above the fear of men towards you. And this is what's a a real problem in the analysis of believers today. They have more fear of men than they do of God. I'm sorry, it's true. It's true. It's true. Noah, being warned of God, that means God pulled him close to the side and said, Noah, this is what's about to go down. Didn't he? Noah, this is what is about to go down. And you only have I found. How humbling. Now, this is what I want you to do, son. This is what I want you to do. I want you to walk with me. I'm going to be with you. This is going to take us 100 years. You with me, Noah? Yes, sir. All right. This is what I want you to do. I want you to build a bunker. I want you to build a bunker. A bunker. Yes, I want you to build a bunker. A bunker. I want you to build a refuge. I want you to build a hiding place. I want you to build a covered from the storm. I want you to show men and women that judgment is coming and there's only one way of escape. Am I making some sense? Point number one then in our outline, seven categorical expressions to be unpacked more fully the gospel of condemnation and comfort. The first thing that we see is that he preaches a coming judgment. Didn't we just learn that? Secondly, he preaches a catastrophic event, doesn't he? He preaches a catastrophic event. I love this. The Hebrew writer says that Noah, in hearing God and fearing God, he actually moved with fear and prepared his house. Isn't that what the text says? All right, just want to just do a little bit more Bible study. This is going to hurt, but it's okay. <laughs> to prepare something is to begin to act in relationship to what you know will happen so that the conditions of the preparation are capable of meeting the consequences of the judgment coming. When he prepared the ark, what he did was follow God's specific instructions. Y'all saw part of it and preparing it. It made him capable of enduring what was coming. Now, stay with me now. If God tells you to do something and then he tells you how to do it and you go about to do what God says, the way God says it, doesn't that mean you actually believe God? Don't tell me that you believe God if he gives you clear instructions. Kataskuo is our Greek term and it means to lay down the vessel. Establish the vessel. Establish the vessel. It's a vessel for covering. It's a vessel for protection. It's a vessel resources in it. I told you this on Friday night. The Lord is a strong tower. The Lord is a strong tower. And when you run into that strong tower, not only do you have protection, but you have resources in that tower. You have resources in order to endure the war that's on the outside. We have a bunker that we're going to unpack more fully next week. That not only prepares Noah and his family to deal with a flood that's going to be massive, that's going to rise above the highest mountain but he's going to be able to live inside that boat for a whole year with his family. Now, you and I got to work through that because what that speaks to is what it means to be in Christ in a world that's under judgment. Am I making some sense? He prepared an ark for the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world And they became the new Adams family. Y'all got that? God is a God of second and third and fourth chances, but sometimes he got to burn stuff up. Sometimes he got to tear stuff up. Sometimes he got to flood things away. God has to do that when it becomes too filthy. Am I making some sense? So when we walk through our categories here, we see... That he not only preaches judgment, preaches a catastrophic event, but he preaches a covering for sinners. Didn't I just affirm that? This is the way Isaiah put it in Isaiah chapter 32, verse 1 and 2. Listen to it. Tell me who this is describing. Here it is. Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness. What's his name? And princes shall rule in judgment. Who are they? God's elect. Are we not kings and queens and princes and princesses with God? Do we not sit in heavenly places at the right hand of God? Do we not have access to heaven because of Christ? Then do we not have the role of telling men and women what heaven has to say? We're already there. Look at the next verse. And a man, and a man shall be a hiding place from the wind and a covered from the raging waves of the sea. Who is that man? Jesus. Say it like you mean it. Jesus. That's exactly right. So don't tell me God does not know how to prepare us to take storms. God knows how to prepare us to take storms. God knows how to give us a shelter in the storm. God knows how to give us Jesus, who is the shelter in the storm. That's what the prophet is saying. And men and women that don't act like Jesus is a shelter, don't believe that he is. If they don't live like he's a shelter, they don't believe that he is. You got a lot of religious folk who are going about willy nilly, just aimlessly in this world, not even concerned about their soul or other people. So now what you get to do for a whole week. I'm going to stop right here. This is what you get to do for a whole week. Y'all ready? Ready? You get to look around and observe people and ask yourself, are they building an ark of salvation for their soul and for others? And, and, and you can look at the Christian, too, but start with yourself first. And we're going to deal with the implications of this ark because it's absolutely phenomenal in terms of what God had told our dear brother. He preached not only a covering for sinners, but he preached salvation through grace, didn't he? What do you mean, pastor? You got a hundred years. I don't know if there's more grace than that. Did that make sense? You got a hundred years to understand what I'm building. You got a hundred years to watch that building come into manifestation. It's coming into manifestation from a word given to a man who acquires tools and begins to build a revelation of the covering of God and solution to the judgment. You got a hundred years to determine whether you want to get in on that project. I call that the grace of God. Am I making sense? Yeah, yeah, so you get to get up every day and ask whether or not the Holy Ghost is convicting you to go over there and join Noah in the building of the gospel of condemnation and comfort. Am I making some sense? He preached Christ the judge. Christ is the one that's going to unravel the heavens and break up the fountains of water. He's the one that's upholding all things by the word of his power. Everything is contained by Christ, is it not? Christ must be the one to loosen. He says he binds, he loosens, he opens, he closes. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He preaches Christ as the door. I love the way Noah was instructed. Genesis 6, 16. Listen to what he said. I'm I'm penetrating into the deeper analogy. I'll pick up next week. But look at what he says. He says, a window shall you make to the ark. That means God never ever worried about the ark actually being uh, submerged under the water. We'll talk about that next week. This has everything to do with the resurrection and ascension. There shall be one window in the ark and in a cubit shall you finish it on the top of the ark giving you some some dimensions on it and the door one single door shall you set in the side thereof do you see it so on the ark there's one door one door and it covers three stories high i know how long the ark is i know how high it is I know what a Hebrew and a Babylonian and a a Medo-Persian cubit is. I know it's two football fields long. I know it's higher than this building. This building is about 25 feet high. Are you keeping up with me? I know it's three stories in it's dimensions internally. I know that. And it's one door, one door that raises up and closes on the very day the rain is coming down. Are y'all keeping me? There's only one way in. And that one way is a person and his name is Jesus. And that's what Noah's preaching. There aren't a bunch of ways into this ark. And you can't cut a hole in it and get in on your own. You're a thief and a robber. God has a better surveillance system than NSA. You are not getting in except through the person and work of Jesus. And there's a day coming when that door is going to close and God will be the one closing it and no one will be able to get in once the door is shut. Condemnation and comfort. That's the nature of the gospel. The issue is, are you in Christ? The message is, This is the day of salvation. The warning is, if you will hear his voice. If you will hear his voice. Not my voice. Not the voice of the people in this room. The voice of the spirit of God. Will you break in your soul and say, Lord Jesus, save me. Save me. I remember 18 years old. I was was free from false religion. In other words, somebody didn't teach me how to come up to an altar and pray a whole bunch of words. It's not how you get saved. You don't get saved by repeating after me. You get saved by trusting Jesus as your savior. And it's something that the spirit of God does in your own soul. And you don't need nobody around. In the privacy of the depths of your own soul, your soul reaches out to God. God, have mercy on me. And if you mean it, he does. He always does. That's why I'm looking forward to judgment day. Not because I want to see anybody go to hell. I want to see how many people God saved that I didn't know about.
1: Well, you have been listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. If you have questions or comments about the program, maybe you would like to learn more about us here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Reach out to us by simply calling 510 886. 9782. Or you can visit our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Sunday services here at the church are 1030 in the morning. Friday evening is our Friday evening Bible study at 630. And man, we've got friends of the ministry from all over the Bay Area who join us for this Friday night Bible study. It is an amazing time of God's Word and sweet fellowship in Christ. 6.30 in the evening Tuesdays, our prayer time and a short Bible study as well. These meetings, again, the directions and information of which you can find at our website, grace-bible.com, or by calling 510-886-9782. This program continues to air here on this radio station and on the World Wide Web because you partner with us financially and prayerfully. Thank you for your support. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. And you can either give on a monthly basis or it's a one-time gift. It is all tax deductible. And again, the biggest part of your partnership with us is that we get to continue ministering the gospel of grace here in the Bay Area and all over the world consider that as you contact us and join us again next time for another broadcast of way of grace with Pastor Jesse what they might
2: say we love
1: Jesus anyway